Hello. So I had pre-recorded this episode um, about a month ago and I felt that it would be, I don't want to say appropriate, but I just felt like I needed to take a moment to discuss what happened to Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant and the seven other people that were on that helicopter. This happened yesterday. Today's Monday, January 27th. So this happened um, yesterday, January 26th. Actually, I found out around this time what happened. And listen, if you know me, (laughs) you know that I know absolutely nothing about sports except how to spell it. I can't recite any of Kobe's records. I mean, I know that he has broken records left and right. I can't tell you how many games he's played, how many, I don't know, shots he's taken. I don't know what any of the, any of that. Um, I know nothing about basketball, really. Um, but I feel that it is absolutely impossible to not recognize the impact that he had on our world. Um, I feel so silly getting emotional about him because it's not like I knew him or that I was friends with him or his daughter or his family or, or anything like that. But I think that it's okay to mourn the loss of someone, even if you've never met them, because I think it, you're really mourning also the loss of your own mortality and the people that you love and how quickly they can just perish. Um, But I think, like I said, it's just impossible to not recognize the impact that that man had on our world. And I think one of the first interviews where I really listened to him was an interview he did with Lewis Howes, I want to say maybe two or three years ago. And I was absolutely just blown away in like listening to that interview, hearing about his story, hearing about how he came up in into basketball, the relationship he had with his father. I think this and how it kind of curated the sportsmanship that he has now and how he led his team and the expectation he had of his team members. I think for me, it really painted a new picture of, of who he was. And that's really when I feel like I got it wasn't about him just being a basketball player, but just how he transcended so many different facets of of what I feel like is a, a good human being. Um, and so for those of you that know, I worked at a, I'm not going to say the name, obviously, because I don't want to get sued, but I worked at a high-end uh, luxury retail store for uh, quite a few years I worked at this particular mall for a total of five years, but I worked because I worked at different stores in that mall. But this mall was in Orange County and it was down the street from where Kobe lived or was living. I don't know if he still lives in in that part of Newport Beach, but um, there were several occasions where Kobe and his daughters would come to the mall and he never came with like an entourage or security or anything like that. He was 
very low key, but <laughs> it was hard to not notice him. I mean, the guy is just, he's massive. Like you kind of get that idea when you see him on TV, but in person, he's just like, it's, he's even taller than you can imagine. And I'm only like, I'm about five, six, I was six and a half. So it's not hard to be taller than me, but he's very tall. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I helped his, his daughter, Gigi, um, and him a few times and other times I would see them just like walking because the store that I worked at had these like huge glass windows. So I would see them walking, you know, in the mall and stuff. And they were always kind and patient and, and well-mannered. I think Gigi always said when I helped her, she always said, please and thank you and never had this like an ounce of entitlement to her, which is saying a lot because in that particular area of Newport Beach, Orange County, the girls her age would stroll into the store with like mommy and daddy's black Amex card and just start swiping away. And that was not Gigi. And that was not how Kobe treated anyone that I ever that I interacted with when I interacted with them or that I saw that they interacted with um, the other people that I was working with with and I remember specifically this one time I was working a later shift like right before closing and um, Kobe and his daughter got stopped to take a picture and if you guys have ever been around celebrities or famous people (laughs) once they stop to take one picture or what's talked to one fan it's game over and like a crowd just forms and it can get really chaotic really quickly um And Gigi was just standing to the side patiently. And I mean, she at this time was maybe like nine, eight or nine. Um, And she was tall. I mean, obviously, like her dad's Kobe Bryant. Like she's pretty tall for her age. But she was just standing to the side patiently. And um, Kobe just this was like such a, a classy, elegant way to to do to transition this but he just said so kindly that he was like guys I can only sign one or two more you know autographs and then take a few more pictures because I'm really just trying to go and grab some dinner with my daughter and the fans were totally cool about it also it was his demeanor and just like his energy like I don't I can never I can never articulate it but I just thought that that was the sweetest way to show how much he valued his time and his relationship with his daughter, but also with his fans. Um, I'm going to try really hard not to cry. So I just want to take a second to honor the impact that he had on me and on this world. It just seems... completely unfair that they're gone. And I really grapple (laughs) with a higher power at times like these because there are truly so many awful and horrible people out there in this world. And I don't understand why couldn't they be the ones to perish? Why is it always the good ones? The ones who are 
truly trying to make the world a better place. It just doesn't make sense. So if I'm lucky enough to get to heaven, (laughs) I'm really trying, okay? I've got some questions for God. I've got some questions and I need answers. So my entire heart is with Vanessa and the Bryant family and the other families that were impacted by this crash. I wish that I could just, I don't even know, I can't, I don't know what a family does in a situation like this. Um, But if we could just take the next few moments to really reach into our hearts and just send some love and healing to the the Bryant family and also the other families who are suffering a horrendous loss. Um, Yeah, let's just, I just want to take a, a moment. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know it feels it feels silly to me to get emotional over the loss of someone that I didn't really know. Um, And I know that maybe some of you guys are experiencing the same feelings that I am. But I really think that we're probably like tapping into the collective and just really feeling the world's suffering today. And I hope that you take a moment to call your loved ones and tell them how much they mean to you and how much you love loving them. Um, I hope that you take a moment to just remind yourself of how precious your life is, how worthy and deserving of love you are, that if you woke up today with air in your lungs, that you have a purpose. Um, There's literally no easy way to transition into today's episode gracefully. Um, So this is going to be like an abrupt stop. Um, So we'll just get into it. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all so, 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 so much. So be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Y'all, I'm going to start saying y'all. I got in trouble for saying you guys. So I didn't get in trouble. Someone just sent me an email saying that I can't say you guys because it's not gender inclusive, which like I understand that. I think we're at a turning point where some things do need to change, but obviously like I didn't mean it to be excluding anyone I just said what I always say so now I guess I have to say y'all and I might it might slip up and I might say you guys because I've been saying it for years so it's just a little hard to change but anyway I wanted to do something this 
month and I might make this something that I do every month so if you guys like it you have to let me know I wanted to put together like a quote-unquote quote-unquote mixtape where I take clips from the month's previous three episodes and just like give you guys the highlights like what were the best parts a lot of the times I get feedback where someone will say oh I really liked this part of the episode so if I feel like oh that was a really great part of the episode I'm gonna put it in this to this little episode um and this month we had some really cool shows so we talked a lot about Pinterest this month and I really wanted to start the year off, like the next two months, I want to really, really talk about Pinterest because I think in my, again, humble expert opinion, (laughs) I don't want to say expert opinion, but like in my opinion, I really love Pinterest. Um, Obviously, just like every platform out there, there are some downsides to it, but I feel like the pros outweigh the cons and I feel like Pinterest is such a great platform and so many people are not utilizing it to its full potential and I really do see this huge shift that's going to happen this year where a lot of people are going to be getting off of Facebook um, maybe jumping onto other platforms like Instagram like Twitter like their own blog um, and hopefully on if I can get them onto Pinterest that's even better um, so I really wanted to make this month and going into next month a lot about Pinterest I'm gonna be coming out with a course um, that's on Pinterest and first will be a free mini course that I'm gonna be putting together this weekend um, so if that's something you guys are interested in please let me know you can slide into my DMs at Living Breely or send me an email to info at livingbreely.com. And if you guys enjoy this, honestly, please let me know because I think it's a really cool idea. And if it's something that it works out for you and you enjoy listening to, I think that's amazing. And please let me know. And also, while you're at it, if you can do me a quick favor and just hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on, that way you get notified when a new episode comes out. And then also leave a review. If you have been listening to the podcast or you've liked an episode or enjoyed an episode, it would mean so much to me if you just left me a quick little star rating or review on whatever platform you're listening on. It honestly helps the podcast so much. I love creating these for you guys and giving as much information and knowledge as I know and providing it to you and hopefully that helps expand your business or your life. Anyway, let's talk about the first episode that I posted this year, which was actually a book review um, of by uh, with a book called Why She Buys by Bridget Brennan. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why I liked the book, and I'll include the link for the book if you're interested in purchasing it. Um, I bought my copy on Amazon. I picked up the book Why She Buys by Bridget Brennan. I'm going to include the link down below so you can grab your own copy if you're interested. I bought the used version that was like five bucks with prime, like free prime shipping. I think if you buy a new copy, it's like 10 or 12 bucks. Um, And it was actually a book that 
someone I follow. Her name is Angie Lee. You should definitely go follow her. Um, she also has a podcast and she has this really big event in San Diego called Pays to be Brave. And she has been posting about this book since I started following her maybe a year, year and a half ago. And she, at the time that I ordered it, she had recently talked about it and I was like, I need to just buy this book. So I did. And I'm really, really glad that I picked up a copy. So let's talk about it. Um, essentially, the book is about women and how marketing is generally geared towards men or it's created by men for women. And there's a lot of problems with that. I'm not going to get into like gender, gender roles, socioeconomic status, like men versus women, because that is not what this book is about at all. But it basically talks about how women actually control the purse strings. So for the first time in history, more women are partaking in the workforce, right? Um, And so they not only have their own money to spend, but they also have a combined income if they have a partner or spouse. So Brennan estimates that women make up 80% of purchasing decisions in a household. That is crazy. Um, One of my favorite examples from the book was at the beginning, she talks about how a car company um, made a bunch of men in charge of marketing for this new particular car. I'm not going to say the company's name really, cause I'm not here to, you know, like what if they want to sponsor me one day? I don't want to ruin my chances. Um, but they, this company, this car company created an ad campaign that showed this car driving at night in kind of like a creepy, scary, elusive way and they used in the campaign they used the words CPR for the dead of night and it doesn't sound that bad right well the vehicle that this company was advertising was a family car so it had three row seats which like seat seven people a mini fridge extra cargo room so It was a family vehicle. Like, this is for families, like babies, little kids, toddlers. So perhaps using the words dead (laughs) and CPR and driving down dark alleyways isn't going to make women feel safe or comfortable transporting their families. So do you see what I mean here? Even if, I mean, big if, because women can buy their own cars with their own money or combined income, but even if the husband was going was going to be the one purchasing the vehicle, the wife who's going to be the primary driver is going to be like, what the heck is this? So the words, images, and overall vibe of marketing have to appeal to women, especially if they are your target demographic. So the next episode of January 2020, I talked about why Pinterest marketing needs to be part of your business plan in the year 2020. I really loved this episode, mainly because I did a lot of research on it and I actually went and pulled up studies. And if you guys are interested in reading more of the studies that I found on Pinterest and why it is such a great platform, I actually wrote a blog post specifically about this that kind of coincides with this podcast episode. Um, I will include the link down below and you can find all of the links there for the different studies and research done is going to be in that blog, blog post. So this episode was 
just really great. I really enjoyed listing out some of the bigger facts and statistics and pulling out the data of why Pinterest marketing is so effective and what the audience really looks like as an overall, like who are Pinterest users? Um, and I was really surprised by a lot of the information that I found. So I think this episode was really, really great. I'm going to get really nerdy here and give you some really quick stats. Um, first of all, all of the links. Okay, I do my research. Okay, first of all, I'm not like one of those people who just like throws out numbers and there's like nothing tangible. I went on the internet and I looked at studies. Okay, <laughs> like from one, obviously a little bit biased is Pinterest itself. They actually put out like studies and statistics about their platform. But I also looked at other places on the internet. So if you want to find the links to these, this is going to be up in a blog post and I will link it down below so you guys can check it out. So the first one is according to Obero, O-B-E-R-O, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. 82% of weekly active users on Pinterest say they have bought products based on their brands content on the platform. So this is from Pinterest of 2019. So I think that's a really interesting study. So 82% of weekly active users say they've bought products because of the content that was on Pinterest. That's a huge number, 82%. Whoa. So in March of 2018, Pinterest released a survey that stated 90% of weekly users use Pinterest to make purchase decisions. So basically, if someone wants to know if a product is good or how to utilize a product, if they're looking for a specific product or service, they're actually using Pinterest as a research tool, which I think is amazing. Um, another one oh, I can never pronounce the names of these things, and you guys know I'm really bad at pronouncing names. Kleiner Perkins. Klein Perkins. Kleiner Perkins. You can, again, the blog post is going to be down below if you want to correct my grammar, if you want to get the full study. Um, they surveyed and they found that one out of every two millennials is a Pinterest user. And not only that, but the study also discovered that six out of 10 millennials use Pinterest to discover new products. The, also, the study also suggests that pinners say that Pinterest has become a source of inspiration on living a life they desire and making dreams come true. Okay, like dreams come true. What is this? A Lizzie McGuire movie? This is what dreams are made of. <laughs> What is wrong with me? But no, I've said this before. People use Pinterest to create a version of reality for themselves in like a really, I mean, we can get real philosophical here, but we're not going to. I do agree with this. I think like using the term making dreams come true is a little bit trite, a little vapid, but I get it. I get what they're trying to say here. Um, according to Pinterest, 73% of U.S. women ages 25 to 54 use Pinterest. I mean, duh. Although Pinterest did also release another study last year that's saying 
40% of new signups are men. So dudes, you guys, you're on, you're definitely being represented, represented, represented on Pinterest. (laughs) Um, According to Pew Research, P-E-W, I've heard of Pew Research before. So that, is it Pew? Pew? Yeah, pew. I don't know what else to say. Um, So this one was really interesting. So it's saying, how do I decipher this? So in the tax bracket of $75,000 or more, people are, that tax bracket is 39% of the people on Pinterest. So over 40% of people on Pinterest are making over 75k a year, which means that people on Pinterest have money to spend. They got money in the bank. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, we don't know people's lifestyles or expenses, but $75,000 can be a lot depending on where you live in the United States. Um, but outside the numbers. I mean, all of these statistics are great. Like, I mean, I think they're that's really important information. But I want to talk about how important it is to have evergreen content. And evergreen content is content that's basically it's always relevant or available. Um, think of it like evergreen trees because they keep their leaves all year long, all the seasons. Hence, evergreen content. Get it? You know, connect the two. Okay. Um, With evergreen content, you... And this is the biggest pushback I get when it comes to Pinterest is that people feel like they're putting in so much work to write a blog post, post a blog post, create pins. And I get it. It is is a lot of... I don't want to say it's a, a lot of hard work. I personally don't find that it's hard or challenging. It's just work. I mean... And there's a difference. There's a difference between hard work and just work in general. Um, And I think the mindset has to shift around this. So even if you're putting a little bit more effort by writing a blog post and creating pins and creating the descriptions for the pins, um, it's going to continue to drive traffic to your website every single day without you really even doing anything. It is automated in the best way possible. So the other option, if you're like, I don't want to write blog posts free. I don't want to create pins free. It's so much work. I'm not creative. I don't have anything to talk about at such a length. Okay, first of all, people are already writing. Like I see the captions on Instagram. I see the Facebook posts that are like super long. You're already writing blog posts, you guys. You just have to format them in a way and maybe add beef up some of the middle paragraphs where you're talking, like you're drawing in your main points. I have in my Pinterest membership, I have a blog post outline format that's like so easy to just plug and play your Instagram and Facebook captions. But it is what you're doing is you're creating content when you're creating content on Facebook or Instagram. And that content is maybe viable for what, 24 to 48 hours. That's when it's posted and it's relevant. And one to 3% of your audience sees it. Maybe even less than that is actually interacting with it. So episode 124 was called who are you pinning for? It was a play on words. Like, who are you living for? 
I don't know. It was kind of lame. I was going to change the title, but I kept it. Um, this one was all about how to find your ideal client on Pinterest and really understand who your audience is, who your demographic is, who your ideal customer or client is. And I really ask you some, I think, important questions on how to really target that niche, especially on Pinterest, because Pinterest isn't like a social media platform. It is more of a search engine. And I think that's one of the bigger mindset shifts that have to happen when you utilize Pinterest is you recognize that you're not posting on social media, you're posting in a search engine and that your ideal customer or client is going to be searching for hopefully stuff that you can teach them or give sell them a product or a service in order to solve a problem for them. So this episode and blog post were really fun to put together. I think, again, I really try to expand just outside of my own niche, which is, you know, blogging and business stuff and look at people like yoga instructors or meal prepper fitness people and what their target audience may be searching for. So I think you'll find this episode really interesting. And I also talk about really quickly, um, how important it is to know your niche and to know your target, but also understand that it's not a black and white issue, that there is a gray area here where like you may say, I only work with women or I only work with men, but are you gonna say no to a customer who is outside of that? I wouldn't, like I worked with primarily men last year. I made a lot of connections that were men, even though like a majority of my content and marketing is definitely geared towards women. So again, it's not so it's either one way or the other way. There is a gray area, but I still really believe in making your content something that's viable for your target demo or your target audience. It makes it easier for them to find you. So that's all I'm going to say about that episode. Let's get into the clip. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Who are you pinning for? And I feel like this is a question that kind of gets overlooked with just in general with Pinterest is who are you pinning for? Who is your customer? Who is your client avatar? Who is your demographic, your ideal customer? I mean, there's so many different ways to like ask that question. Any way you want to put it, you need to know who your audience is because everything you create on Pinterest from pins to boards to blog posts has to be geared towards them. Just like everything that you do in your business should be about providing value to your ideal customer, the same thing applies on Pinterest. And I want to preface this. I love Pinterest for some of the same reasons that everyone else does. I love looking at outfit ideas, recipes, workouts, vision boards, those types of things. I still use Pinterest for those things. However, you 
looking at my Pinterest profile would never know because there is this handy dandy little feature that allows you to create secret boards. So only you or people who you select can see those boards Um, because let's face it, your ideal customer is here to learn something from you that is somehow going to benefit their lives in some way. Not what cheese dip or cheese tray you're bringing to your best friend's boyfriend's sister's wine night. Okay, capiche, you got it. Um, I also want to talk about quickly, if you have two very different businesses, let's say you're a meal prep person and you also write about how to, or you have a course or something about how to write killer copy, Um, chances are you have two very different ideal customers. So not all meal preppers are going to be looking for how to write emails. I would create two separate Pinterest business accounts to keep that content separate. And I wouldn't say this is a super hard or fast rule. You can definitely blend your audience. For example, I had a client who had a gaming and mental health blog. And those are two things that you wouldn't think go together, but she definitely made it work. But if you are going to travel down the route of creating two different Pinterest accounts, Please be very diligent about this. It can be a huge undertaking to manage two accounts. So if you can start with one account and build that up, get your pins on Tailwind, and then start up a second account, that would be, I think, the most ideal thing because you don't want to burn yourself out or overwhelm yourself with trying to manage two Pinterest accounts. So that is the January 2020 mixtape. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If this is something that you think is a cool idea and you really liked hearing just the highlights um, from all of the previous episodes and just all of the resources, please let me know because I really did love creating this. I think it was something that's a little bit different that's not everyone else is doing. So yeah, if you guys enjoyed this, please let me know. You can find me on Instagram at livingbreely. You can send me an email to info at livingbreely.com and I will see you guys next week. All right, be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you, mean it, bye.